Are you ready for the Word of God? Always ready for the Word? Yeah, well, let's go straight to it. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I don't want to get in the way of the overhead. Hebrews chapter 11. And what I want to do is just read from verse 1 through to verse 16. I know that Ian um, took us through to verse 7 last week, but I just want to read those verses again um, because it, it's all part of the same discourse. And uh, there's a few things that I want to also just bring out of those first seven verses as well as verses 8 to 16. So let's read. Um, it's already up there. Verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. For by it the people of old received God's commendation. By faith we understand that the worlds were set in order at God's command, so that the visible has its origin in the invisible. By faith Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and through his faith he was commended as righteous because God commended him for his offerings. And through his faith he still speaks, though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. And he was not to be found because God took him up. For before his removal he had been commended as having pleased God. Now without faith it is impossible to please him. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, with reverent regard, constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. Through faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he would later receive as an inheritance. And he went out without understanding where he was going. By faith he lived as a foreigner in the promised land, as though it were a foreign country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even though Sarah herself was barren and he was too old, he received the ability to procreate because he regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. So, in fact, children were fathered by one man, and this one as good as dead, like the number of stars in the sky and like the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. These all died in faith without receiving the things promised. But they saw them in the distance and welcomed them and acknowledged that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For those who speak in such a way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. In fact, if they had been thinking of the land that they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they aspire to a better land. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. As we went through the first seven verses uh, last week, we saw three things that I just want to remind you of as we get into today's study. We saw, first of all, what faith is. 
That's in verse 1. It is being sure of what we hope for. It's being convinced of what we do not see. Sure of what God has promised. And absolutely convinced of the things that are told to us in God's word. So we could say this, that faith is being sure of what God's word says. It's being convinced of what we learn from God's word. The second thing we can see from those verses is that apart from faith, apart from this assurance and this certainty concerning God's word, it is impossible to please God. There's no way that any one of us can please God without faith. Verse 6 says this quite clearly. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's no way that we can please God Unless there is faith in our hearts. And then it carries on and says, For the one who approaches God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. You see, to please God, we must be seeking Him. And to seek Him, we must believe, number one, that He exists, and number two, that He rewards those who seek Him. And I wonder today, whether we believe that. Do we believe that God exists? Do we believe that He rewards those who seek Him? I think our actions, our life, our lifestyle, our conduct, our pursuits will bear testimony to whether we do believe that or not. Because if we do believe that He rewards those who seek Him, what will we, we be doing? We will be seeking Him. Okay? The third thing that we saw, which Ian really focused in on last week, is that it is faith that brings God's commendation to people. God bestows His gift of righteousness upon sinful people based on one virtue and one virtue alone. And what is that virtue? Faith. We are saved by grace through faith and through faith alone. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. That's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. It is faith, the virtue of faith, and faith alone that brings, brings God's commendation on us. Verse 2 says, it is by faith that the people of old received God's commendation. That tells us something. God requires faith, and faith pleases Him. Wherever God sees faith, he is pleased, and there will always be a response by God towards faith. And this is what this whole chapter is about. It's showing us that there has never been a person from the beginning of time, from the beginning of human history, that has received God's commendation, that has received God's praise, who did not have faith. And this is why when you look at this chapter, if you read the whole chapter together, you will see that the writer starts with the very earliest person, Abel. And then he works systematically through the Old Testament and through all the Old Testament characters that had faith, these hearers of the faith, and shows how faith influenced their lives and how it brought God's commendation and praise to them. Do you know nothing has ever changed? The way it was back in the days of Abel, almost 6,000 years ago, is exactly the same as it is today. God has not changed, and what pleases God has not changed.
Today, as we continue to look at this passage, I want to ask a question. Why does faith bring God's commendation? What is it about faith that so pleases God? And we're going to have a look at this today. Firstly, faith brings our lives into alignment with God's will. It moves us, and we'll see this in this passage. In fact, this chapter is full of examples of this. It moves us to do what is pleasing to God. You see, faith is not some, uh, something that is just dead, that just lies dormant in our hearts. Faith is a living and active power within the heart of a human being. It actually changes people. When people come to believe in God, there will always be a change in that person. Because that is the effect that faith has on people. If, we just, if you could just put up the next slide there. What we see here, just in this passage, it's, verse 4 tells us, By faith Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain. It was the faith in Abel's heart that enabled Abel to do Enabled Abel, that sounds interesting. Enabled Abel to do what God wanted him to do. Enabled him to please God. He did the will of God, which was to offer the sacrifices that he did, whereas Cain did not. What was the difference? The difference was there was faith in Abel's heart. There was unbelief in Cain's heart. That's what separated those two. We look at verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, with reverent regard constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. Why did Noah do that? Why did Noah do something that to all the people of his generation seemed absolutely ridiculous? Here he was building this boat when there was no rain had ever fallen on the earth. There was no sea around and he's building this boat. What was it that made Noah do that? When everybody else in his generation just laughed and scoffed at him and thought he had lost his marbles. It was the faith in Noah's heart. He believed what God told him. He believed the warning that God had given him. And because of that faith, that faith that he had in something that had never been seen, it moved him. To, for a hundred years to build that ark. I mean, if you put yourself in his position, put yourself in the position of the people of his generation, can you imagine what people thought of him? They go past him day in and day out, year after year, decade after decade, and they see this crazy, strange man building this thing because he says something's going to come from heaven and is going to destroy the earth. Can you imagine what they were thinking? What was it that made Noah so different? And what was it that brought God's praise on Noah? When the rest of the generation God destroyed, Noah was saved. What was it? It was his faith. Verse 8 talks about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a land he had never seen, a land that he knew nothing about, a land that he didn't even know where it was. God called him and he went, not even knowing where he was going. That, why did he do that? It was because of the effect of faith in his heart. All the people in this chapter, as we go through this chapter, 
you will see the same thing coming out. The, the phrase that is continually repeated in this chapter is, by faith they did this. By faith they did this. By faith they accomplished this. You see, faith will lead us to honor, glorify, and obey God. That's what it will lead us to do. And because it leads us to do that, it also brings pleasure to God and God's commendation to us. But do you know that unbelief does the opposite? Faith leads us towards God. Unbelief takes us away from God. And we see this exemplified in the Garden of Eden. And I want to just take you back to the time when Eve uh, was approached by the serpent in the garden. What was it that led Eve to do what was contrary to what God had commanded? What was it? Do you know it was unbelief? Do you know what happened in her heart as the serpent deceived her? She chose to believe what the serpent told her rather than what God had told her. And you know that that's unbelief. If you want to define what unbelief is, unbelief is believing anything other than God's word. It is basing our lives, our actions on anything other than God's word. Anything that does not cling to God's word and accept God's word as truth and as the supreme authority in our lives is actually unbelief. You see, if we can put the next one up. Faith takes what God has said to be true, whereas unbelief considers God to be wrong or to be a liar. Faith exalts God's word as the supreme source of truth, whereas unbelief exalts something else to that position. Do you remember that the serpent said to Eve, did God really say that if you eat of that tree in the middle of the garden, you will die? And Eve said, that's what God said. And then the serpent said to her, you'll not die. What was he saying? He was saying, God's word is not true. And Eve chose to believe that rather than to believe what God had said. Faith takes God at his word. In fact, you cannot separate faith from God's word because God's word is the very essence of what gives us faith. And it is the very essence of what faith is. Faith is based on God's word. The Bible says that the righteous will live by faith. In fact, it says it right here in Hebrews. Why will the righteous live by faith? Because faith will lead us to live a righteous life. If we truly believe the word of God, what's going to happen in our lives? They are going to be molded and shaped by the word of God. If Eve had believed God's word rather than what Satan told her, what serpent told her, what would she have done? Would she have ever gone and eaten that fruit? She wouldn't have. If she had believed that what God said, that she would die if she ate it, she would never have eaten it. It was because of unbelief 
that she did what she did. And you know that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 14 that it is unbelief that causes us to sin. In fact, Paul puts it this way. He says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. Everything that does not come from faith in God's word will be sin. If we doubt God's word, it will lead us to do what is contrary to God's will. If we believe God's will, it will lead us to do what is in keeping with His will. You see, everything rises and falls on what we believe. What we believe determines our lives. It determines not only how we live in this earth, but it will determine our eternal destiny. What we believe will ultimately have the final say in our lives. And so the righteous will live by faith. They'll live by faith. And because they are living by faith, God will declare them righteous. Those who live by faith will live very differently to those who do not have faith. I don't know whether you've seen that in your own life. How many times have people look at Christians and they say, we just don't understand those people. I mean, what do they want to do? What do they want to do and come and sit in a building like this on a Sunday and listen to some person talking about some funny things? What is it that they get out of it? Why will they not do what we do? Why will they not just enjoy life? Why do they sacrifice so much? Do you know that that is the result? That is the working of faith in our lives? Those who have faith live according to God's word, whereas those who do not, what do they live according to? Their own opinions, what society says, what culture says, what tradition says. Everybody's living according to something that they believe. What they believe is going to determine the outcome of their lives. And that's the same with us. We also see something else in this passage. If we have faith in God, if we believe what the Word of God tells us, we will view the future differently to those who do not. And we see this in the life of Abraham. We will view not only this life that we live in, but we will view the future differently. Look at the way Abraham viewed the future. Look at the way it influenced how he lived his life and how he conducted himself. Verse 9. If you can just put that there. Great. Thank you. He lived as a foreigner in the promised land. How did he conduct himself? He lived in the land that God was giving him as a foreigner. As though it was a foreign country. Why did he do this? Well, verse 10 tells us, he was looking forward to the city with firm foundations whose architect and builder is God. It says in verse 16, he aspired to and he sought a better homeland, a heavenly one. And I want to ask you a question today. Is that the way you're living your life? Is that the way you view this life? You see, God had told Abraham that there was a heavenly city that he had prepared for him. Had Abraham ever seen that city? It was something that was unseen. But because God told him about it, 
He believed. And because he believed, everything that he did, his entire life, was shaped and molded by that belief. Abraham had the money to build a city for himself, but he didn't. He lived in tents. And I don't know if you've been camping. I don't know whether you like camping. But I think after a week or two of living in tents, people are usually ready to get into something that's a little bit more stable. Abraham spent his entire life living in tents, walking around the land that God had given him, simply because that's what God told him to do. He was very wealthy, but he never built a city. He wasn't worried about a legacy here that he would leave here. Some physical structure that he would leave here that people would be able to look at and say, that was Abraham's city. Look, his name is on it. He wasn't worried about that. There was only one thing that concerned Abraham, and that was the heavenly city, the heavenly land that God had promised him. And so his entire life was lived with his eyes set and his focus set upon that which could not be seen. Do you know that that's what faith is? And because of that, God commended him. He based his entire life on one thing and one thing only, the Word of God. He had nothing else to base what he was living for on. He hadn't seen the city, but because God told him, he believed it. And because he believed it, God commended him and God credited him with righteousness. Isn't that incredible? Can you imagine someone living his entire life in the hope of something that he's never seen just because God told him about it? It says that Abraham died believing. Right to his last breath. Hundred years old, or I think he was 160 years old, in fact, when he died. Right up to that time, he never saw that city, but he died believing the Word of God. He held on to God's Word to his very last breath, even though he had never seen what God had promised him. It says in verse 11 that Sarah, who was barren, was enabled to conceive because of Abraham's faith. Because he regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. God said to Abraham, you're going to have a son. He's going to come from your own body. And he, it's, he's going to come from Sarah. In the natural, it was utterly impossible. There was no way it could ever happen. Everything in Abraham's mind, everything in his experience, told him this can never happen. It had never been seen before. That a woman and a man of a hundred years old would, give, would have a child. Sarah had never been able to conceive up to that time. Even when she was in her youth, she had never been able to conceive. Everything said to him, it's impossible. Yet he chose to believe God. On what basis? God didn't even give him a sign. The only thing that God did is bring him outside and say, look up. Do you see those stars? That's how your offspring's going to be. And look at, do you see the sand? That's how your offspring's going to be. God didn't perform a miracle. He didn't come down and shake a mountain. He didn't come down and do something that would 
cause Abraham to realize that God was serious? God, Abraham just took God at his word. He just simply believed what God told him. And the Bible says that because he simply believed what God told him, God credited, credited that to him as righteousness. You see, faith and God's word are inseparable. And faith is simply just taking God at his word. Do you know that we have God's word? We have God's word today. Just as Abel had God's word, and Noah had God's word, and Enoch had God's word, and Abraham had God's word, so we also have God's word. Right at the very beginning of Hebrews, there was, the statement was made, in the past, God spoke to us through the prophets in many and various ways, referring to the Old Testament. But in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. We have God's Word. That's the New Testament. God has sent His Son, Jesus, into this world to speak to us. And He has brought the Word of God to us. And that Word that He brought into this earth, He left with His apostles. And His apostles have written it down for us. And we hold it in our hands today. We have the Word of God. We have the promises of God. The question is, do we have faith in our hearts? Do we believe what the Word of God says? Do we believe it? Even though we may not see many of the things that it talks about, do, will we believe it to our very last breath? You see, the kind of faith that Abraham had is exactly the kind of faith every true Christian has. Christianity is defined by this kind of faith. Just as Abraham was called to leave his native land and to leave his family and go to this land that he had never seen, so God has called us to leave our lives of sin and follow Jesus Christ to a place that we have never seen. Just as Abraham lived as a pilgrim and a foreigner in this world, so too we have been called to live as pilgrims and foreigners in this earth. Just as uh, Abraham set his heart on the unseen city that is above, on the heavenly land that God said he had prepared for him, so too we are told to do the same. Just as Abraham believed God's promise that he would have a son, even though it was humanly speaking impossible, so we are called to believe that there's going to come a time when God will raise the dead, even though we've never seen this happen, where he will give immortality to his people, eternal life, even though in all our experience and in all of human history, such an event has never taken place. We're called to believe it simply on the basis of the fact that God has told us he will do this through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, just as God rewarded Abraham's faith by fulfilling his promise and giving him a son, so he will reward our faith. And there will be a, a time when the dead in Christ shall rise and they shall receive immortality, where our weak and lowly mortal bodies shall be in the, in the twinkling of an eye, changed and conformed to the likeness of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and death will be taken away. Just as God was not ashamed of Abraham, but was happy to be called his God. When we have the faith that Abraham had, God will not be ashamed of us. And he'll not be ashamed to be known as our God. He is the God of the people of faith. He is the God of the people that believe his word. Do you know the kind of faith that Noah had? Is the kind of faith that every true Christian will have. Noah was warned about the impending coming judgment of God upon the earth. And you know that we as believers are warned that the wrath of God is coming upon the earth. Just as the, the world in the time of Noah was consumed by uh, water, the Bible tells us that this current earth is going to be consumed by fire. God's wrath is coming upon this earth. When Noah was warned about that, his generation laughed at him. But Noah did all that he needed to do. He obeyed God in order that he and his family could be saved through that ark. And you know that we are told that God's wrath is coming, but we are also told that there is a way that God has prepared for every person who so wills to escape that wrath, just like Noah did. And that way is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The faith of every true Christian believes and stands in reverent fear of the fact that God's judging wrath is coming. But it also stands in absolute confidence in His promise of salvation if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ. The kind of faith that Enoch had is the kind of faith every true Christian has. His faith caused him to walk with God. And the faith of every Christian will cause us to walk with God. Just an interesting side point. Do you mind me if I just bring this up very quickly? The Bible says Enoch was not because God took him. And do you know that there's going to be a generation of Christians who will be alive on the earth when Jesus comes. And because of their faith in him, they will be not because God will take them. They will never see death, just like Enoch. Enoch is this prototype of this generation of believers that God will catch up on the day that Christ returns. The faith that Abel had is the same kind of faith that every true Christian has. He offered up a sacrifice. He offered up the lambs and the animals that he was taking care of, he shed their blood. Why? Because Abel knew that he needed forgiveness for his sins. He knew that his sins had to be atoned for. And he knew that only through the shedding of blood could that take place. And so, in obedience to what God had showed him, he offered up these sacrifices. Cain didn't. Cain wanted to bring some crops. And he wanted to place it on the altar. And God said, that's not sufficient. There has to be shedding of blood. And you know that as every believer, we have a faith that God has provided the sacrifice for the atonement of our sins through the shedding of Jesus' blood. And we accept that. And we embrace that. And we thank God for that. 
that the forgiveness that we each need has been provided for us at the, at the cross of Calvary. So do you see today just how what we're reading here and the commendation and the praise that all these people got from God as a result of their faith, of them simply taking God at His word is exactly the commendation that each and every one of us will receive. Why? Because we simply have taken God at His word. Faith is what God seeks and faith is what God rewards. And faith will determine the conduct of our lives and our eternal destiny, whether we have it or whether we don't. That'll be the dividing line. That'll be the separating between the sheep and the goats. It'll all be based on whether they had faith. Who has faith and who doesn't? And my question to every one of us here today, I don't know every one of you that are here today. I don't know you personally. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with God. I don't know whether you have faith, whether you have put your faith in the, in the Word of God and in the Gospel as it has been shared with us and as it's been communicated with us through the Holy Scriptures. I don't know whether you have put your faith in Jesus Christ who came, who died, who rose again, ascended into heaven and who's coming back on the clouds of heaven. And so my challenge to every one of us today is Will you not search your heart today and just ask yourself the simple question, am I a person who has faith? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that it is through your word that faith comes into our hearts. And today we stand, Father, and we say that truly we believe. We believe your word. We believe the scriptures. We believe the gospel account. We believe the promises that you've given us. Our hope is in you. Our faith is in you. We are your people. And we call you our God. And we are here to live our lives to please you. Our focus is upon the eternal inheritance that you've promised, that you've prepared, and that one day you will give to us, your people. Father, I pray today, let our lives be shaped, governed, controlled, and moved by what you have said, by the scriptures, by your word. Lord, I pray today that we would not live our lives based on our own thoughts and opinions, based on what seems best to us, or on tradition or culture, or on what society says. But Lord, we would all live our lives based on what you have said. So Father, today I pray, may your word be exalted in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.